0: We'll the movie geeks united, everybody. I'm Jamie, and Adam is here with me as usual. And howdy, howdy! All right, Blu-rays, Blu-rays for nope. July.
1: All right, yes, July Blu-rays. Well, there, uh, it's a diverse bunch as it usually is, but there's some some good ones here. We'll jump right in with the 1969 film Putney Swope, which was a big influence for Paul Thomas Anderson. He uh, is a big, big fan of this movie and used ele- incorporated elements of it into um, uh, Boogie Nights, most notably the firecracker-throwing scene, which is also in Putney Swope. Um, this is a, a dark satire in which the token black man on the executive board of an advertising firm is accidentally put in charge, and he renames the business Truth and Soul Incorporated. This is directed and written by Robert Downey Sr., and he also stars in the film along with Alan Garfield. And it's uh, if you haven't seen this one, I would definitely recommend um, watching it because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. It's it's very avant garde, um, but uh, also very interesting and very influential. So Putney Swope has been has been released on Blu-ray by uh, Vinegar Syndrome. The so Paul
0: Thomas Anderson put uh, Robert Downey Sr. He's not in Bookie
1: Nights, is he? He, I'm not sure. He may be. I know he's a big fan of him, so and his work, so that is possible. But uh, can't can't remember. Can't quite recall. There's uh, the 1978 film uh, FM, which is uh, about a FM radio station and you, that's getting ready to be taken over by a big corporation, and they uh, the employees are fighting against that. It has Cleavon Little stars in this film, along with uh, Michael Brandon. And you were talking about great L.A. films. Well, FM, not a perfect movie. Um, But the thing about FM, it's directed by one thing. It's directed by John A. Alonzo, the famed cinematographer. And uh, it features live performances by Jimmy Buffett and Linda Ronstadt in a concert sequence towards the end of the movie, uh but it has it's very well shot and it captures LA in the late 70s in a very remarkable way and again like i said it's uh even though the film itself is not perfect if you're a big fan of LA in the 70s this is this is one of the quintessential films to capture it uh, at that time so um uh it's a it's an arrow re- release and there's a few extras on this one um there's a just a, a couple of featurettes, basically. But interesting featurettes. One of them is about the history of, of FM radio in the late 70s. So I uh, wanted to mention uh, the Aero release of FM. And also, uh, speaking of Aero films, they've also released uh, the John Hughes film from 1985, Weird Science. That's never been put out on Blu-ray before. But what makes this interesting really? is that it's yeah it never never on Blu-ray believe it or not uh, only on DVD. But what makes this interesting is that this is a deluxe edition with tons of extras, all kinds of new featurettes, and they're, they poured over most of the other ones from the DVD as well. And this features an extended cut of the film, which has uh, never been seen before. That's uh, three really? minutes longer. Yeah, it's a three minute longer cut. Uh you know, not not a not tremendously longer, but it's it's a little different. And I think it works pretty well. Uh, it's 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 enjoyable. There are a tree of a trio rather of John John Paul Belmondo films that are being issued by Kino, the Professional from nineteen eighty one, Leon Morin Priest, and The Outsider uh from nineteen eighty three. Those have all been released by Kino if you're a Jean-Paul Belmondo fan. And so we let's see what else we have here. The 1961 film Mothra has been issued on Blu-ray by Mill Creek. And of course this is one of the Toho giant monster films from that that were so prevalent uh during the 60s and mm, up to the mid 70s I would say. And then uh, we have the 19, or the, rather the 2006 film, the horror film based on a video game, Silent Hill, has been issued by Scream Factory. Um, this is a new deluxe edition. That it, it's a two-disc special edition with a new audio commentary with the director of photography, and the second disc has a new From Silent Hill with Love interview with the director of the film. And there are several other featurettes, interviews with the cast and crew, and uh, there's a six-part. Look at the making of the film as well. So if you're a fan of Silent Hill, there's a collector's edition from Scream Factory. And also, another Scream Factory release is This Island Earth from 1955. And this is the film that was actually when they decided to do a Mystery Science Theater 3000 film. This was the film that was spoofed, but it's actually a, a good film. This Island Earth is pretty good, even though the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie that spoofed it did did a pretty good job spoofing it. But it's it's a good movie. Uh, I think it is pretty solid science fiction from the from the mid 50s and uh they say that it was two and a half years in the making that was the big tagline when the movie came out i'm not sure if that's true or not but for whatever reason anyway the uh, the 2003 hulk has been released in 4K or on 4K rather this is the ang lee hulk mm.
0: <laughs>
1: the one that people are still trying to forget anyway uh that has been issued the uh the 19 or the 2019 Pet Cemetery has been paired with the 1989 Pet Cemetery in a 4K special edition that includes both films. So that's out there from Paramount. And Criterion has issued uh they are they've been doing a pretty good job putting out the films of Rainer Werner Fassbinder. He's the super prolific movie director who made 44 films by the time he was 37 years old. Uh, when he died of a overdose of cocaine and uh, barbiturates, uh, supposedly because he was couldn't sleep because he was overworked, and I wonder why. But anyway, uh, this is a trilogy of his films that are interconnected. They're called the B.R.D. trilogy, and it's the marriage of Maria Braun, Veronica, Va- Va- Veronica Voss. I'm sorry, and Lola. These are new 4K restorations, uh, audio commentaries. From 2003 include uh, one from Bim Venders and the cinematographer Michael Bauhaus, who worked with Scorsese many, many times. Yeah, uh, yeah. And... We,
0: uh, when we had Bauhaus on the show, that was one of the first things I asked him was about his relationship with Fassbender. <clears throat> that yeah. was the big tra- training ground for him. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think his dad his dad was in the movies. Uh, and as a kid, he spent time on uh, the sets of, I think, like, Murnau, F.W. F- so. Murnau. Um, That's right. He t- talked about some of that.
1: Yeah, this is a really nice box set, i got to tell you. If you are a fan of Fastbinder, there is a feature-length documentary on top of all the other things I just mentioned, the three films. There's a feature-length documentary from 1992 on his life and career called I Don't Just Want You to Love Me. And you also get a very rare conversation with Fastbinder himself from 1978 that was filmed for German television. So uh, there's a lot to like about this box set, the BRD trilogy featuring those three films. I wanted to make sure people knew about that one. And another Arrow film's release is The Loveless, which was Catherine Bigelow's first film. It was also the first film for Willem Dafoe. And it has something to do with the motorcycle gang. and um, It's more style over substance, I would say, but it's an interesting peek at the early career of Catherine Bigelow. So if anybody is... Uh, is interested in The Loveless, and this is, there's a, lots of new extras and a great new transfer, so, but this is a 1983 film. And another criterion is Europa, Europa, the foreign film from 1990. takes place during World War II as a 16-year-old German Jew is separated from his family after fleeing with them to Poland and finds himself assuming various identities in order to hide his secret and this has a lot of new extras on it, a uh, brand new transfer, all all of that stuff. So, Europa Europa and that is a very very good film. The uh, we were speaking of Tarantino and some of his heroes and I know he's a big fan of Jean-Luc Godard and Jean-Luc Godard's 1965 film Alpha Ville has been issued by Kino Lorber with a few mm-hmm. new extras. Um that's one of his. That's pretty highly regarded, but I have to admit I've never seen it. But anyway, really? uh, Alphaville. Yeah, it has been issued. Well, Universal has issued the 1995 film Waterworld on disc in 4K. So, <laughs> anybody who wants a uh, a remastered Waterworld 4K, well, your wish has been granted. So that is uh, that's out there from Universal. Another Kino release is the 1945 film Dead of Night, and this is interesting because Dead of Night was one of the uh, pro- I think it was the first horror anthology film ever, and still considered to be one of the one of the all time best. And uh, Kino has issued it with some new a new commentary and a new a few new extras uh, from 1945. This film was um, was made. And uh, it's 19- interesting... what What year? 1945. Oh, wow. I did not. Yeah. The first, first horror anthology film. And interestingly enough, one of the directors on this film, each segment is directed by a different director. And one of them is Charles Crichton, who would later go on to do A Fish Called Wanda almost 40 years later. So huh. that's worth noting. It's a bit of trivia. And the... 1980 film, this is one of the few Clint Eastwood films that had not been issued by uh, Warner Archive on Blu-ray or either Warner Warner Brothers proper. I think almost his entire catalog has been issued, but except this one, Bronco Billy, which, again, it was one that I had not seen until I got to look at the review copy. and It's a very relaxed, leisurely-paced movie about this um, basically... Uh, a cowboy who goes from town to town putting on shows, and it has a great supporting cast. I really love the supporting cast. There's Sam Bottoms and uh, Bill McKinney is in it, who is famously known for raping Ned Beatty in the film Deliverance. He has an actually a very fleshed out part in this movie. <laughs> so uh, he's well, good. He, he, he's also good a, he also played
0: a he also played a fleshed out part in Deliverance.
1: Uh, that the, he did. It, yes.
0: That fleshed Indeed. out part just belonged to Ned Beatty.
1: <laughs> yes, very, very true. But it's a it's a really good movie. It really is. It's it, like I said, very relaxed, very leisurely paced. But uh, Jeffrey Lewis is in it as well, and of course Sandra Locke But sadly, as I was watching it, it came the realization came to me that basically the entire cast, with the exception of Clint Eastwood, has now passed on, which is kind of sad. But anyway, Bronco yeah. Billy is out there from Warner Archive. Just
0: wanted to hey, that doesn't that.
1: doesn't he die yeah. at the end of that? No, he does not. Mm-mm.
0: Nope. God, I thought there was a Clint Eastwood movie where he died. Uh, you uh, might be thinking, thinking about, about *Honky Tarina. Tonk
1: Man*. I'm thinking That's *Honky it. Tonk Man*. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because I remember it, like him dying and and there being and then he sings a song in the soundtrack at the closing credits or something, country song. Yep. Yeah, that's gotta be hunky tonk okay.
1: I think it does, yeah. Marty Robbins actually has a the country singer Marty Robbins has a small part in that movie and he actually was dead before it was released. He 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 died of a heart attack, so the nineteen seventy two film, written and directed by Philip Kaufman, starring Cliff Robertson, Robert Duvall, Luke Askew, and R. G. Armstrong and Donald Moffat, the recently deceased Donald Moffat. That's uh, the Great Northfield, Minnesota raid. From 1972, that is a Shout Factory released, one of the Shout Select, one of their Shout Select titles. So the 1924 version of Peter Pan has been issued by Kino. uh, And the 1953 film Thunder Bay, starring James Stewart, that has been issued as well by Kino. And Lonesome Dove has been issued in Blu-ray from Lionsgate. So the miniseries Lonesome Dove. We're up to July the 16th, and this is a film that comes up, a title that comes up on our show quite a bit, and that would be Clute has been finally issued as a criterion title. And I say it's about time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great Clute, directed by Alan Pecula, and of course starring Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. Now what makes this edition special? Well, it has a new restored four K digital transfer supervised by the camera operator Michael Chapman, who also worked with, I believe, Scorsese a time or two. Uh it has new interviews with a new interview with Jane Fonda that's conducted by a friend of our show, Ileana Douglas. And um also has A new program about Clute and director Alan Pecula by filmmaker Matthew Meal, featuring interviews with film scholars Annette Insdorf, Steven Soderbergh, and Charles Kioffi, along with archival interviews of Pecula. It has The Look of Clute, which is a new interview with writer Amy Fine Collins, archived interviews with Pecula and Fonda, Clute in New York, a short documentary made during the shooting of the film, and an essay by critic Mark Harris. So I'd say they did a pretty good job with Clute.
0: Yeah, and anything that uh, shines a spotlight on Fakula because uh, he was such a special filmmaker, especially back in that his heyday in the 70s between Clute and um, All the Presence Men and Parallax View, essentially his, his paranoid uh, trio of thrillers. Yeah. Um, are so good and 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 three of the best movies to come out of that decade. a uh, decade that represented the best in movies uh for a lot of people including me. But especially good in that in that Blu-ray is Ileana Douglas's interview with Jane Fonda. It's a, it's a, it's a good conversation. And they go back and forth about their feelings about the character that she plays in the movie. You know, for instance, uh, Ileana Douglas will say, "My favorite moment is when you go back to uh, Donald Sutherland's apartment and you're kind of seducing him. And, and Jane Fonda says, really, that's my least favorite moment in the movie. Why would it be your favorite? And they debate it a little bit. It's a, it's a really fun conversation and uh, they, they delve deep and you, and you recognize how meaningful that role was to Jane Fonda through the, through the research that she did and, (laughs) <laughs> the heartbreak of the, the the people that she met, who were working the street, and how she tried to infuse that in her performance, and within that, you you see what a what a remarkable filmmaker Pakula was for uh, wanting to make a movie about about that character. He really he really wanted to make it from a, a, a female perspective as much as he could, because the movie isn't actually about Clute. It's about Jane Fonda. You
1: know, yeah, it's not, it's that's not right. about
0: Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland is a secondary character.
1: Mhm. Absolutely correct. And uh yeah, I remember Pauline K- reading Pauline Kael's review of it and she had some problems with the ending of it. Uh, I think from what I recall, but generally generally liked it except for that. But yeah, I I like it. Uh it's it's um There's there's a lot of good stuff there, and uh, I'm so glad they put it out. Oh yeah, the photography
0: of Gordon Willis. Oh my God, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic, and shot in Panavision, of course, looks great, and you know the two point thirty nine aspect ratio it just it sings, man. But anyway, it sure does. So the nineteen forty three film, The Leopard Man which is uh, this is one of those films that was produced by Val Luton and directed by Jacques Tourneur, the, uh, the duo mm-hmm. who also did The Cat People. This is a, a movie yeah. in a similar vein, where an escaped leopard is the catalyst for a foray into fear in which a cemetery is the rendezvous for death and love, and a closed door heightens rather than hides the horrors of a young girl's fate. Um, anyway, uh, The Leopard Man has been issued by Scream Factory... And this has a new audio commentary with Constantine Nasser and audio commentary with filmmaker William Friedkin, another friend of the show. And what? Trailer. Yeah. What? Can you believe that? Sure does. There's an audio on commentary on the Leopard Man? With, yes, on the Leopard Man. Obviously, he's a fan. So, yeah. Wow. You never know, right? Does he, think,
0: does he think it's a movie about the mysteries of faith?
1: You <laughs> <laughs> might
0: that's you what never i you know I adore william Freakin. and there there is no one I'd rather hear talk at length about cinema uh he is one of the great rock and tours, and he's blessed us with about close to three hours of conversation in the history of the show, but um, The Exorcist is a horror movie and I, 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 I just feel it's kind of disingenuous whenever I hear him say, I never looked at it as a horror movie. I, I looked at it as a movie about the mysteries of faith. And I don't think the movie actually uh, invests in in questioning the mysteries of faith. Maybe I'm wrong. But if you see something like Scorsese's Silence, that's a movie that is about the mysteries of faith. Uh, yeah, I've never seen I've never seen Exorcist as as parallel to that.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Yes, I, I, it, it is a horror film. I mean, you know, you can uh, you can look at it however you want to, but it, it is a horror film. The horror elements are there, and the horror tropes and all that stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you made that you made that movie to scare the shit out of people. There's there's of course, yeah. You don't you don't
0: just happen into that.
1: I mean, there's no way around it. That's true. So uh, yeah, well anyway, well uh, anybody who's curious to know what William Friedkin thinks about the Leopard Man, go pick up that new Screen Factory <laughs> Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, that
0: would be that would be the number one selling point for me. <clears throat> yeah, honestly.
1: So, uh, and speaking of, uh, this is uh, we we normally don't delve into television, but I will mention this because I know there are people who listen to the show who remember this show fondly. Shout Factory has done a terrific job. Issuing Space 1999, starring, uh, mm. of course, Martin Landau. Uh, the show, eh, it kind of, it's, it's it was it doesn't quite hold up to your childhood memories, probably. But it's a fun show, and they've done such a great job. They've remastered all of these episodes from the original uh, film elements, and they've just, they've done a terrific job. There's uh, new interviews with actress Barbara Bain, who's on the show, and uh, some of the other uh, cast members and directors are also included, and there is a new interview with author John Kenneth Muir. So I think we know him as well. Oh, good. <laughs> so anyway, well, the good. Space nineteen ninety yeah Space nineteen ninety nine Deluxe t- edition of the. Mid seventies television series is uh, that's a shop factory release, and they've done a great job who, of that. So I Who did
0: we bring on the show? Who is who? Who was related to Space Nineteen Ninety
1: Nine? Hmm. We didn't have Landau on, did we?
0: No, we almost did because he was in. He did that movie. Uh, I can't remember. Lovely still. The Alzheimer's yeah, with a, uh, he and Ellen Burstyn. But, right. And so we. We interviewed the, the director here. and this is this is back when we used to do live shows. So we had the director yes. come on at six six thirty. And we were supposed to have Landau as well. And that would have been such a great kick to have him on the show. But he was mm-hmm. his plane was delayed, so he was oh. up in the air in an airplane during that inter- interview segment, so he couldn't join us.
1: Uh, oh, man, but the that actor
0: that we was. did have was uh I think I'm right, wasn't Shane Rimmer in Space nineteen ninety nine? Mm. Hang on I'm looking it up
1: We're not letting okay. him
0: Shane Remmer Space 1999 yeah. He played a okay, character named good. James Kelly
1: Okay Cool uh, All He right. came on
0: our show because he was also in Dr. Strange Love So that's what he was All coming right. on to
1: talk about it. Excellent Well very good Well uh, Yeah I did not I did not remember that I did not remember that Well, they're fans of Space 1999, so I just wanted to mention that it is out there. And Warner Archive has issued the musical Footlight Parade from 1933. That's one of their releases. And Arrow has released the 1993 film The Chill Factor. This is one I'm not really familiar with, Mm. I must admit. But I just wanted to... I remember the title,
0: The Chill Factor. Remind me who was in it.
1: Oh, The Chill Factor stars Don Laurie... Connie Snyder, David Fields, Eve Montgomery, and Jim Cagle. And directed by Christopher Webster. Okay, absolutely. (laughs) It says, The Exorcist (laughs) meets the Winter Olympics in this tale of demonic possession and snowbound slashing from director Christopher Webster, the producer of Hellraiser. Oh,
0: wait a minute. So it's, it's different from the Chill Factor movie with Skeet Ulrich.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a separate entity.
0: Totally no different
1: Okay,
0: all right. I got him confused.
1: Yep. So yeah, and another Arrow release is Hold Back the Dawn from 1941. That's a a romance. Stopped in New U- Mexico by U.S. Immigration. Uh, a man hopes to get into the country by marrying a citizen. This uh, actually is written by Billy Wilder and his writing part, his frequent writing partner Charles Brackett, and stars Charles mm-hmm. Boyer and Olivia de Havilland. Of course, who's still with us at the age of 103, Paulette Goddard? Um, yeah. So, if you're Billy wouldn't Wilder, would be funny? Really dis- wouldn't What's it be funny that? if that
0: movie were actually about uh, somebody who used too much uh, dishwashing dish, dish liquid?
1: <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be. Funny. I'd love.
0: I'd love for somebody just to make a movie like that. We, I came up with with some friends years ago. We came up with an idea like. Let's do like a romantic comedy. We'll call it a, like something like a match made in Wichita, but it's literally about <laughs> a guy that wor- that works at a match factory in Wichita, and he makes matches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Right. Oh yeah, well yeah. So uh, I'm a big Billy Wilder fan, so this is one that I would like to actually see, uh, but and I didn't know I wasn't aware he wrote it until just now, but. Uh, Another Criterion release is the Marcel Pagnol film, The Baker's Wife, from 1938. Mm. That's another one of the Criterion releases. Not to be confused with The Butcher's Wife. Totally different. No, no relation whatsoever, none. Yeah, And the 1991 film, Strays, which is written, now you're going to love this one, written by Sean Cassidy. Yes, you heard that correct. Sean Cassidy, the teen idol of the 70s. Who played one of the Hardy Boys and had a number one record with his remake of The Do Run Run is the writer of the film Strays, directed by John McPherson, the cinematographer of many great television shows in the 70s. Uh, this is a um, it's one of those films where it's a it's a trio of horror stories and all of them are are, are linked to these cats. Uh, but I think it may have been made. For, it's a made for TV movie. Yeah, so. It stars Kathleen Quinlan and Timothy Busfield. Yeah, but anyway, uh, it does – there was a – I noticed a lot of people on Twitter talking about this one, so I guess there was a demand for it. But anyway, Strays from 1991 is available hmm. from Screen Factory.
0: 1991. Wow. Yeah, ni- oh.
1: 1991. Yeah. I think it was one of those USA made-for-TV movies. You remember they used to have those pretty frequently back in those days. I think it's one of those. Um, anyway, the Shelley Long film, Hello Again, remember when she was trying so hard and desperately to forge a film career after she uh, departed from Cheers? And, yeah. well, this one's directed by Frank Perry, who actually made some great films, like The Swimmer, and he also made Plain uh, as and it lays. Lisa. Yeah, yeah, Play as a lays. that's right. And Diary, Diary of a Mad Housewife. Did you wife. do
0: Mommy Dearest?
1: He did. That's another one I was going to mention there, yeah, Mommy Dearest. Uh. Yeah. So he was actually a pretty good filmmaker, although well, <laughs> I don't think the problems I, with them, Mommy Dearest are, are not his fault, I would say. Yeah. I got to tell you him.
0: I got to tell you the uh who's the the woman that played the maid in Mommy Dearest, Rotanya
1: Rotanya Alda. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She was on the show to do an anniversary show for Mommy Dearest and
1: Yep just
0: like she said in her book, she was uh, mercil- merciless and and uh, describing the nightmare that was Faye Dunaway in that movie. And then, so last week when the news broke that Faye Dunaway had been fired from her show mm-hmm. before it starts a Broadway run because yeah. she's just Im- impossible to work with, uh, I looked to uh, um Facebook page, and she was and she essentially said, "Yep." Bitch is at it again. Say <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, this this the say that we all know and love.
1: I just oh, what?
0: Like what is the point of behaving like that? Like why, why I don't why?
1: Yeah, you'd think that when you when you've been knocked down a couple of notches over the years, which she clearly has, that she would get that she would you know, have a little bit of an attitude adjustment, but she, you got to hand it to her, man. I'll tell you, you got to hand it to her because she, she refuses to change her behavior no matter what happens to her career. She she sticks to her guns. So yeah, and they're, they're handing
0: it to her. All right. They're handing it to her in the form of pink slips. I mean, yeah, en- enough is enough. Uh, you got to grow up someday. And it's amazing to me how, uh, God, that's the best clip when Betty Davis is talking about Faye Dunaway on The Carson Show.
1: So, who's one of the worst people you know in Hollywood? That I worked with. Or that you wouldn't want to work with again? If you don't, you don't have to. One, on that. one
0: million dollars, Faye Dunaway. <laughs> Everybody you can put into this chair will tell you exactly the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what is it about Miss Dunaway that makes her. Your... Well, she's just totally impossible. Really? Yes. I don't think we have the time to go into all the reasons. <laughs> After 50 years in the business, you're still acting like a petulant child. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of disgusting.
1: It is. It, it really is. You're exactly right. I mean, it's... But... Uh, and, and the fact that she just refuses to change and just, you know... Oh, well. Usually, most by this time, by this point, most people will would have had... Some sort of an attitude adjustment, but not her. So, anyway. Well, it's kind of oh, outdated,
0: too. You don't really hear too much about stars today behaving in that manner.
1: That's you? True. I mean, yeah. You don't. You really don't. It, it doesn't uh, – yeah, that's that's kind of a rare, rare occurrence these days. You're exactly right. But, uh, yeah, so – Anyway, Frank Perry directed "Hello Again," which stars Shelley Long and Austin <laughs> Pendleton and Celia Ward. We got off
0: a little bit there. Sorry.
1: Oh, uh, well, well, there's that connection. There's that Frank Perry thread running throughout. But uh, here's, anyway, here's this
0: little thing: Shelley Long. This is interesting. The first line in her bio, and it's unusual. Uh-huh. Shelley Long was born at 7:15 a.m. on Tuesday, August 23rd, 1949. It was. <laughs> it was so. It was. When do you ever see a time like listed in someone's bio? Type of
1: burn. Yeah. Right. That's very odd. Uh, that's, they that's wanted a, to mark that, a, that shit. I mean. Yeah
0: yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Wonder if it has the exact date and time that she resigned from the cast of Cheers. I wonder if that's in there. That would be interesting. So,
0: she yeah. tried with that. She tried with Troop Beverly Hills. She had some success with Bette Midler. What was it with she Bette did. Midler? Didn't she do something with Bette Midler?
1: Yeah, she did one of those movies. I can't remember. Was it Outrageous Fortune? Was it Big fortune? Business or
0: Outrageous Fortune? Big Business.
1: Okay. Big Business was
0: –
1: That's Lilith No, no, I think it was
0: – Yeah. And Outrageous Fortune was the one with Shelley.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she tried. She tried, but eventually uh, – I think, and then she kind of did find a little bit of a groove there with the Brady Bunch movie. She was great in that. I have to admit, when she played Carol Brady, she was a she was a dead ringer for it. Had all the mannerisms down. She 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 was pretty good. I'll give her credit for that one. But um, anyway, the 1977 film directed by Lucio Fulci is the Scorpion release. uh, That is the psychic. A clairvoyant woman is inspired by a vision and smashes open a section of a wall in her husband's home and finds a skeleton behind it. She seeks to find the truth. And um, like I said, this is Jennifer O'Neill in one of her uh, post-Summer of 42 roles. And anyway, if you're a Lucio Fulci fan, well, I guess there you go, The Psychic from 1977. And the 1999 film, oh, and Hello Again is a keynote release, by the way, as is this next title, Mumford, which is a a Lawrence Kasdan film written and directed by Kasdan after quite a bit of a layoff in between films there. He came back, and, and then he had a long layoff after that, I think. Um, for me, it was okay. I remember it got fairly good reviews, but I just was kind of lukewarm. I had a I had a tepid reception to it myself. But anyway, it was kind uh, of his Mumford, kind of
0: his uh, attempt at a Capra-esque movie, wasn't
1: it? It was, yeah, yeah. But uh, the shop the shop factory has issued Law and Order, a 1953 western with Ronald Reagan. I uh, wanted to mention that for and let people know about that one as, and Kino has issued the 1985 film directed by Anthony Harvey, starring the unique teaming of Catherine Hepburn and Nick Nolte. Remember what a pair they were on screen. Grace Quigley.
0: Quigley, yeah, Grace Quigley, yeah. Interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, the duo of hmm. Hepburn and Nolte. What a great <laughs> comedic duo. And I have to admit, I've never seen it, although I wanted to, so I I should. A couple of uh, Gregory Peck titles have been issued by Twilight Time this month. A duo of them. One is the J. Lee Thompson-directed film The Chairman from 1969. And uh, this is, like I said, Gregory Peck doing it in an espionage thriller. And um, it's, it's pretty good for its type. And then the other Gregory Peck title that we have from Twilight Time is the Fred Zinneman film, Behold, a Pale Horse, from 1964. And both of these have the original theatrical trailer. The chairman has isolated music track and an audio commentary, two alternate scenes, and... Uh, you know, like I said, the original trailer. And then there, the other Twilight Time release is 10 North Frederick from 1958. This stars Gary Cooper and Diane Varsi and Susie Parker. And it's uh, about a small-town lawyer wed to a cold, unloving wife, and he's pushed into politics and seeks solace in a rejuvenating romance with a younger woman. Uh, pretty good film, actually, for a late 50s melodrama-type thing. And it uh, also has an isolated music track. So those are your Twilight Time releases for the month. And those are limited to 3,000 units each. So get them while you can. And uh, another sh- uh, Screen Factory release. Uh, they Last month they did the Universal Horror Collection Volume 1, which included four titles with Lugosi and Boris Karloff. This one has four more titles, These uh, have different stars in them uh, outside of Lugosi and Karloff. This is Murders in the Zoo, the The Mad Doctor of Market Street, The Strange Case of Dr. X, and The Mad Ghoul. All these are, like I said, universal titles, and this is called The Universal Horror Collection, Volume 2. It's a nice little box set there. And we have the 1980 film Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis. That's been issued by Scorpion releasing in a new deluxe edition, new transfer, and all that. It was previously issued as a two-disc set from Screen Factory, which has now gone out of print and is going for upwards of 60 to $80 at the, on those places where you get that sort of thing. Um, the 1984 version of 1984 has been issued by Criterion. This stars John Hurt and Richard Burton, and I think it was his last film, Directed by Michael Radford, based on the, of course, the famed novel, the George Orwell novel, and this has previously been issued by Twilight Time. It's been out of print for some time, but uh, Criterion's gussied it up with all kinds of new extras and new transfers and all that. And it's uh, quite, quite a prescient film, I guess. And more and more so as the years go on. Do the Right Thing has been issued by Criterion. Finally, for its 30th anniversary release, it's a nice package here with great new transfers, director-approved transfers, and um, just uh, all kinds of uh, new extras that were missing from previous editions. And they say the bump in quality is pretty significant uh, in terms of the quality of the transfer. So if you're a fan of Do the Right Thing, you know, it, it might be worth seeking out the 1949 film Crisscross with Burt Lancaster, Yvonne De Carlo, and Dan Derea has been issued by Shout Factory. And here's one that we talk about from time to time as well: The Doors has been issued in 4K. Oliver Stone's The Doors, and this is uh, being labeled as the final cut, and it is three minutes shorter than the original theatrical cut. So, uh, yeah, I don't quite understand that either, but um, Oliver Stone says that uh, he feels like there was some redundancy in some of the scenes, in a a scene toward the end of the film, so he trimmed it by three minutes. I don't know what scene that is, I can't tell you. The whole
0: damn movie is redundancy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Jim Morrison acting like a a bastard for two and a half hours.
1: It pretty much is, but... I don't know there's not much to it as far as uh character development or anything like that but it is such a an just an intense visceral experience I I do respond to it from that from a technical level the um Robert Richardson we brought him up earlier with once upon a time in Hollywood and he's just at the top of his game with that movie and I just I don't know from a from a technical perspective it is pretty impressive achievement i think so uh, it's one of those movies that so i think
0: those those concert crowd scenes are pretty great i think yes. the movie i've always thought the movie's in terms of its content was most successful in its portrait of that time yeah and and how that culture could be so enamored with someone like jim morrison but as mm-hmm. a biography of Jim Morrison and the doors, outside of the scene where you, you, they're working through Light My Fire and you see the creative process at work, I just thought it was so monotonous. Uh, it's like, what's, oh, so yeah. special about, what's so special about this guy? And I guarantee Morrison had more layers than what Oliver Stone allowed
1: him in the doors. Oh, I'm sure. I have no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, anyway, it, it's out there in 4K, and I may go for the upgrade, because I, uh, like I said, I do like this movie from, it. it is a, it is the kind of movie that you can use as a, as a reference standard when you're showing people your home theater system or whatever. I, I do, uh, I do stand by that. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, the 1962 film Merrill's Marauders has been issued by Warner Archive. that's directed by Sam Fuller, and stars Jeff Chandler, and... Andrew Dug- Dugan and Claude Yeah, uh, We also have Pacific Heights from 1990. This is a Sony, uh-huh. <laughs> right? John Schlesinger directing and Melanie Griffith and Michael Keaton. The one movie he made in between the two Batman films. Yeah, this is because uh, he wanted
0: to work with he wanted to work with Schlesinger.
1: Schlesinger, um, that's right.
0: And uh, that movie, I rewatched it a few months ago, and. Mm-hmm. uh, it's not great. I mean, it's not. No. Yeah, doesn't work quite as it wants to. But um, uh, agreed.
1: Yeah, they made well, a lot uh... of hay because
0: Ke- Ke- Keaton played a villain in it. But um, Keaton, uh, I mean, Keaton was always an interesting actor because he was he was so manic, and he was all, he always seemed to be on the edge of uh, of. Villainy or something dastardly. Uh, yeah, he, he, he just had that energy about him, and if anything, uh, yeah, what made his casting in Batman odd was that it uh, it brought that down. I mean, it kind of took that away from him.
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of subdued
0: there. But you look the at Beetlejuice, bit- lent- Beatle- 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 Beetlejuice is a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> So, him playing yeah, the villain he's... wasn't necessarily way out of turd for him.
1: <laughs> exactly. This is true. Good point. Excellent point. Well, speaking of Troop Beverly Hills, that has been issued by Kino as well this month. <laughs>
0: oh, thank God. Isn't
1: that? Uh, I know, right? So, there's another Shelley Long for you. A couple of Frederick, oh, there's a Frederick March film, Death Takes a Holiday from 1934. That's a Kino release, as is. Easy Living with Ray Milland. Those are, like I said, the Kino releases. And I uh, forgot to mention that Pacific Heights is one of those Sony on-demand titles that you, if you are so inclined to order it, you they press it and uh, send it to you uh, as it's ordered. But anyway, uh, another Kino release is The Milky Way from 1969. So we have that and and moving along to the last day in the month we have the 1934 film The Thin Man has been issued by Warner Archive or maybe reissued I think it's been out there before as has whatever happened to Baby Jane as speaking of Betty Davis earlier that's been reissued it went out of print but it's now been reissued by Warner Archive and a couple of the Quatermass films which are those Hammer horror films science fiction horror films there was a whole series of them and uh Screen Factory has released two of them. There is and they're separate releases. Uh Mass Two and Quator Mass and the Pit. And uh Mass Two is from nineteen fifty seven. I think the first film was released earlier. This is the second obviously. And then the uh Mass and the Pit was released in nineteen sixty seven. And these are um you know it's a it's professor quatermass is a character who uh he's one of britain's most clever scientists and he's always investigating a series of bizarre incident incidents that have been reported to him that's basically what these what, what these movies are about and uh they do have the cult fans uh, there's lots of great new extras and uh, new transfers here of both films. So, if you're a fan of the Quatermass films, Quatermass 2 and Quatermass in the Pit have been issued by Screen Factory. And uh, a couple more Hammer films that are worth mentioning The Reptile from 1966 has been issued by uh, Screen Factory. And it's another Hammer film. And it includes a new audio commentary and uh, filmmaker uh, commentary with Ted Newsom. A new interview with First Assistant Director William P. Cartledge, and a Serpent's Tale documentary about the film. And then we have Lust for a Vampire from 1971, another Hammer film, as I said. And this features an audio commentary by the director and a few extra, a few new, as a new audio commentary and a new on-screen interview with the, an actress from the film. So, again, another Screen Factory release. And we have Glory has been issued in 4K from Sony, the 1989 film Glory. And so we have that. And, like I said, there are a couple of Warner Archive titles that have been reissued. Streetcar Named Desire, Pure Country with George Strait. Those have been reissued as, uh, on Blu-ray. They've gone out of print. Not a bad and, movie. And uh, pure pure country. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh yeah they did a couple sequels too which is kind of funny, but
0: uh, yeah. So the have, first one is is the purest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the purest. It's it's actually not bad. You're right. And uh, supporting well, good supporting work by Rory Calhoun in that I remember. But yeah. So Jefferson and Paris with Nick Nolte and uh. Greta Scacchi. From Kino Lorber, that's one of their issues, reissues, or new releases, rather. I'll get it out. But, yeah. I uh, can't say he made the most convincing Thomas Jefferson, but maybe some people will disagree.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I met Thomas Jefferson. He was he was nothing like that.
1: He was nothing like that. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. I was just wondering. Then, um. Yeah, and then we have uh, a uh, release from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, a couple of Vinegar Syndrome titles. The Pink Ladies from 1980, which is looks to be like a softcore film here. It actually stars Samantha Fox, and I'm not sure if it's the uh, same Samantha mm. Fox that we would know later as the pop singer. I'm wondering. It could be. Because I know she did those kind of films for a while. And then Mascara from 1983, which... Uh, The cover says, The Expectation, the Experience, and the Climax. This stars uh, Lisa DeDue, DeLoo, I'm sorry. Ron Jeremy's in this one, and Tiffany Clark. So, uh, yeah, a couple of Vinegar Syndrome titles there, Mascara and The Pink Ladies. And that'll, yeah. I would say they probably Um,
0: probably are softcore, especially when you brought up that name to Ron Jeremy. I remember... Oh, uh, yeah. I had some kids when I used to manage a movie theater, one of the kids I hired to be an usher, he had a friend and they were gung-ho in making movies and we would talk a lot. And, and they eventually uh, got financing and, and made a movie. And they made the movie by uh, by casting Ron Jeremy. I guess they were able to get some money for it by casting Ron Jeremy. And the huh. movie was called... Something like Dead Meat or something. It was a horror movie where Ron Jeremy was the killer. Anyway, if anybody out there knows about that movie, that, that guy used to work for me as an usher at the theater.
1: <laughs> <To get laughs> <to be. laughs> oh, wow. Good story. Good story. Yeah. Well, uh, one more title, and we'll be done for this month for the July. A Scorpion releasing title from 1985, and this is Too Scared to Scream. This stars Mike Connors, Ann Archer, Leon Isaac Kennedy, and John Hurd. It's interesting to know Ooh. because this was uh, it's directed by Tony Lo Bianco, who's better known as an actor, and it's produced by Mike Connors. This is a weird combination. Mike Connors and A. Kitman Ho, who produced most of Oliver Stone's <laughs> films. So uh, who, who would have... Who well, I can't imagine that duo. But anyway, uh, Too hum, Scared to Scream is a horror film, obviously. <laughs> exactly. And uh, this is interesting to note because John Heard was... He got fixed billing in this film, uh, and this was after his chilly scenes of winter heyday earlier uh, in his career. So I don't know. I guess he fell down the line pretty quickly but anyway uh yeah so that's uh our july blu-ray roster everyone
0: you listen and... to dean's interview with john heard it's the most
1: depressing thing you've ever heard oh it, yeah it really is yeah i agree it's, it's really he, sad John
0: Hurt, he really beat himself up <clears throat>
1: yeah he sure did yeah, no no, he was he was a great he was a great actor. I mean, you know, he really was. Yeah. You go back and look at some of his work, some of his early work, and it's it's really good stuff. <laughs>